We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Anthony Heron on 670 to score. For the better part of the next two hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Harrod on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. You can reach me 312-644-6767. Texas Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. All guests who join me throughout the show, guests will join me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. A couple of great guests who will be with me over the couple of hours that I'm here with you this evening. Kenneth Davis of the Under Center Podcast and NBC Sports Chicago. He'll be with me later on this hour. Matt Peck of CHGO Chicago will be with me in hour number two to talk about the Bulls as well. So they will be with me on the score hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino Listener Line. We open up the phone lines, and you know, since we are with you on a more brief scale, we'll have to pick our times because there's a lot we want to address over the next couple of hours here. But Score Listener Line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today, or visit BetQL. Dot com And we'll see if any news ends up breaking here throughout the time I'm with you. But if it does, breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. You can reach me on the socials, on Twitter and Instagram, at Big Ant Heron. And uh, got my guy Brian Callahan on the ones and twos for me this evening. As you just heard, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, they were just finishing up with Bears All Access. So Brian is uh, is all comfortable and toasty and ready to roll with me up until 9 p.m. this evening. And this is my this is my first show of the of the spring, first show of, of many, of course, for the spring months here. So um, I, I'm, I've been enjoying the, the springtime throughout the week here, been getting out, been uh, been getting it in, getting all the steps out there with the toddler, been exhausting the four-year-old, running the streets of Chicago. So Hope you've all been doing the same from what I can tell out in the streets. People are, are starting to starting to get it in a little bit too, starting to enjoy the outdoors a little bit more. Obviously the the last couple of days 
since that first day of springtime. wasn't wasn't exactly you know what, what everybody was hoping for weather wise, but uh, you you know how we get down here in Chicago. It'll be just fine. It'll be all good. It's kind of like a you know like the the streets are maybe similar to uh, like the scene from from Thriller right now, where all the monsters are starting to climb out of the ground a little bit, and you're seeing more people. There's there's more population in the streets and, and people trying to do their thing a little bit, but still looking a little bit ragged. A little bit haggard, uh, you know. But as we move forward here, it'll probably look a little more like, uh, maybe not quite like Smooth Criminal, unless you're out, out late at night. Maybe like Remember the Time, where it's still, you know, still looking good, but maybe a little bit more loosely dressed, but still looking good, a little, a little casual. But you got your, your summertime fitness happening. Maybe more like Remember the Time, as we kind of get deeper into the spring and towards the summer months. But always nice to see folks out there uh, starting to enjoy as the weather turns. But a little more turning for that weather to do here would be nice if, um, I don't know, the Bulls or or maybe anybody, anyone in the city of Chicago, any of these teams around here wanted to give us a little bit uh, little bit more positivity to to sort of aid this transition in the in the seasons. So hopefully that will end up being the case. But for right now, a whole lot of frustration out there, man. You all saw the Bulls games. You heard the Bulls game right here on the score last night. Not uh not measuring up yet again, not measuring up to to the Milwaukee Bucks. So we, we will def- definitely be addressing the Bulls later on in the show as well. But probably the the most uh I suppose the most pertinent news for the moment, the most immediate one uh, involves one of the baseball stars in the city of Chicago, the the proposed ace of the White Sox staff, Lucas Giolito, and I don't know. It just it feels to me, for the moment, like where things are at with the White Sox. I I kind of dig patience. Like we'll we'll talk some Bears uh, as well, and and right now the Bears are definitely being you know fairly patient with things, which to me where they're at as an organization makes sense. And I think the the Sox have been have been targeted with things up to this point. They've been targeted with transactions, targeted with acquisitions, targeted with spending. And they've been doing things in a way that that exercises, that showcases a, a level of patience that that I respect and being, you know, kind of, you know, sort of slicing things with, with a scalpel as, as opposed to just kind of ramming through with some kind of a, a mallet or a sledgehammer or some sort of more of a, a blunt instrument. I think they've been very targeted with, you know, in somewhat surgical ways they've been trying to operate here in recent seasons. Whatever they're doing with Giolito doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, though. I'm, I'm not completely sure what exactly they're trying to pull off, what exactly they are trying to prove with how they're going about the the current situation with Giolito. For those who don't know, and this you know really surfaced last night. At the moment, the, the White Sox and Lucas Giolito are are in the midst of uh, of their negotiation. The, the potential for an extension has been there for the better part of a year. You know, a guy at twenty seven years old. He is he has emerged for the White Sox. Emerged all throughout. Major League Baseball from from what he was early in his career, certainly from what he was in 2018. One of the worst, statistically one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Now we've seen three seasons in a row of him being a, being an excellent pitcher, you know, being in the Cy Young conversation year over year. And at this point, he up till now hasn't been one of these players that the White Sox 
have have been willing to. I suppose maybe a, a more fair description would be that they haven't been able to negotiate a, a true extension with Lucas Giolito yet. And so he's just he's in the the stretch of his career right now where they're they're still you know the the contract control that the club has over him as tends to be the case with most players around baseball. But he's also in a locker room right now with a number of teammates, a number of of the more prominent teammates, but also guys who to some extent aren't as accomplished as him, haven't performed over the last three seasons as consistently as he has, who have been been able to ink extensions and, and, and long-term security from the White Sox in a way that he hasn't been able to up to this point. You know, like guys like Yohan Moncada has been very good, but you know, has he been as productive as consistently as his position at his position as Lucas Giolito? No. Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. I mean, both probably more more just purely gifted. I mean, maybe. Maybe more purely gifted for their position than Lucas Giolito. Certainly Luis Robert is. Eloy Jimenez, you know, maybe, you know, depending on if you view him as a guy who's gonna just grow into a DH or you know, right now still be a left fielder, but Let's just say all three are uber talented for what they do, whether, whether you're talking starting pitcher for Giolito or boppers uh, like, like Robert and Jimenez. But I do think that because both of those guys and Yohan Mankata, they've all got some security. They, and especially in the case of, of Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, they got that security before they ever stepped onto a, a major league diamond. But Lucas Giolito, I would imagine that he at least is seeing that. He has to look at that and and recognize that the White Sox have been willing to commit to them in a way that they haven't yet. I'm going to keep throwing the caveat yet because something is going to get done. It'd be silly that it won't. But I would imagine that that still that that paints a level of the frustration that Lucas Giolito is is beginning to address publicly for the moment so right now he's in a stretch where they're, they're going to go to arbitration you know his side is negotiating one thing for this this coming season's salary the White Sox are are offering something less than that and the odd thing is both sides seem very close on on that margin and as as the numbers have come out where Luke Giolito filed you know uh, and asking for seven and a half million dollars and and the White Sox ended up countering apparently offering million. So there's a lot of zeros on the back end of it. You know, more zeros than most of us see at one time in our lives. But in the end, the number on the front end matches. Like the the number on the front of all those zeros, whatever it is, what what is it, a a seven-figure offer for the single season? The first of those seven figures is a seven. And then you get the decimal point, and one is a three, one is a five. So there's $200,000 that separate Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. And we'll hear from, from Lucas Giolito. We'll actually play some of that sound for you. I'll have Brian cue that up in a few minutes here. But, you know, he even says the margin is, is more slim than that, which it really strikes me as odd that the White Sox are allowing this to, to sort of paint spring training, and especially to paint spring training with an individual who, you know, they they rightfully should be viewing as their ace. Now, Tony Russo has said, you know, they're not completely sure who's going to be the, the opening day starter yet, but 
you know, when, when you're talking about the the long-term viability of the White Sox, you know, Lance Lynn at, at 34 years old and a guy who throws nothing but fastballs and with certain matchups in the postseason. And Lance Lynn is as angry, as surly as he gets, and as, as intense as he is when he takes the mound. He might be as ready as they come. As we just saw this last offseason, there are just certain matchups that aren't going to favor Lance Lynn because of the way he pitches, because of his frequency to throw the fastball. In the end, Lucas Giolito at 27, and with the talent and the variety of pitches that he can attack with, Lucas Giolito's your ace, especially, you know, not even, you know, if you're talking just small picture, just micro, just this season, maybe Lance Lynn is your opening day starter. I said, you know, couple of months really even before we got to the postseason last year that Lance Lynn should be your game one starter when it comes to postseason that's no disrespect to Lucas G. Little but a lot of that was in the midst of a lot of the up and down and inconsistency and struggles with the starting staff and Lance Lynn just kind of being that firebrand that can at least go out there in the first game and you know he's gonna he's gonna attack the opponent um, that being said when you're taking the macro into account with the White Sox Lucas G. Little he, he is your ace. He, he's the future of your starting pitching staff, you know, until further notice as we see what happens with Michael Kopech and everything else. But because every offseason for Kopech up until this point has had some sort of a broad question mark associated with it, uber talented. There's, there's nobody in the, in the organization. There's very few in all of baseball that have the, the gifts associated with their shoulder, with their arm that, that Michael Kopech does. But For the moment, Lucas Giolito is definitively, he is your ace as you look at the macro, at the future of this pitching staff, especially from a starter's perspective. So with that in mind, why would the White Sox let this even have the the, the seeming potential for, for dragging out, for becoming perhaps contentious, of course, on the north side of the city, the discussion with Chris Bryant and the service time manipulation the Cubs did with him, that just reportedly continued to to paint everything. It, it continued to fester around all the discussions that, that Chris Bryant and his representation, led by Scott Boris, continued to have with the Cubs over the years after he was Rookie of the Year and League MVP and discussing potential extensions and long-term deals and everything else. And now Chris Bryant is out there in the Rocky Mountains and will quite likely never play for the Chicago Cubs again was part of that because of the way the Cubs handled his service time? Maybe, maybe, or part of that was maybe because the Cubs just got to a point where they said, we're, we're willing to pay X. We have seen the arc, the, the trajectory of Chris Bryant's career, and we, we just feel like it's at a certain level. And so they, whether they officially offered or not, they saw Chris Bryant's value at a certain level. Chris Bryant, his reps saw it at a different value. They went and got paid elsewhere. Did the the early stages of that sort of color those negotiations, perhaps. Do the White Sox want to take that risk with Lucas Giolito? For the moment, the answer is yes. My question is why? And, you know, hearing a lot of, lot of conjecture about why that may be, is it, you know, is it you know, associated with any, any number of different things for them not being willing to spend and, and not necessarily recognizing their window? Is it a, about the, the squad on the whole not necessarily valuing Giolito. Why would they do this with him when they didn't do this with others? I think a lot of valid questions are out there and suppositions that are out there about the, the current state of the White Sox. But I, I truly think that there's, there's examples that predate this stretch of time 
that point directly to why Rick Hahn, why Kenny Williams, why Jerry Reinsdorf are allowing this to play out in this way. And I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense because there's a lot of other things that you could be allowing yourselves to focus on, could be allowing the collective White Sox media to be focused on, like whether or not you're you're sounding the outfield. Do you need to go get a right fielder right now? It seems like they've determined for the moment they don't. Do you feel great about your infield? Like is, is Josh Harrison enough at second base? Most folks feel like he isn't. He's an outstanding defender, not going to add a lot to the offense. In the end, you got plenty of offense. So for the moment, the White Sox, that points to the, the level of patience that I was referencing earlier, where they feel okay about where they're at there for now as well. I'm under the impression, at least I think what stands to reason, is that they are eventually going to be willing to spend. I was talking to, to, to both Lawrence and Herb about this going into last season where, where they were you know, up in arms about the, the approach the Sox would take them a backup catcher and, and, and the bullpen, you know, things like that. And I, I say, like, I, don't even, I don't remember, I think I discussed it with them a little bit on the air, but even just off air, just texting them a little bit while they were talking about different things. They said, man, it, y'all just sound greedy, you know, to a certain extent because they're, they're starting to spend. They got guys signed. They got the deepest roster in, in the division. They're going to be fine. So aside from all the Tony LaRusa concerns, just whether or not the talent acquisition would line up, but the White Sox are in strong, strong position and would continue to be in strong position. And frankly, I feel similarly right now as I did at that point when I was, you know, kind of texting and, and talking with with uh, with Loho and with Herb about it going into last season. I think I think they're going to find a way to to spend uh, with precision this year when it feels right. But in the end, I think they're determining they've got. They probably got the best roster in the division as it sits right now anyway. So they have they have already bought themselves the ability to be patient with the spending. What doesn't make sense for me, though, is why you allow such a minuscule amount of money in baseball terms, in ace terms, to allow whether it is $200,000 or whether it's less, like we'll hear Lucas Giolito describe in a moment, why would you allow that to enhance any potential negative feelings why would you allow that to color the potential for continuing to to enhance to build a future with lucas giolito i i think a lot of that just goes to who jerry reinsdorf has, has always been not only with the Sox, but with multiple teams i'm going to get into that portion of things a little bit later in the show but let me take my first time out i'm going to come back and let you hear directly from lucas giolito himself because i you know i I respect the fact that as, as he addressed things with the media, he did not uh, – I, I won't say he didn't hold back. He wasn't disrespectful about things, but he was, he was very adamant with, uh, with, the, with the, the negative tinge that this colors things with from his perspective. So I'll get out of the way here for a moment, uh, be right back with you, and allow you to hear from the White Sox ace on where things stand with he, with the team, and how he feels about it because he was very, very clear – that his feelings about it were were none too positive. We'll do that next. I'm Anthony here and here with you until 9 p.m. tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Lucas yesterday thought, we asked him about opening day. Lucas said, Lance very, very deserving. Um, basically said, does it? Does it matter to him? Have you, have you reached a decision yet on who you Not really. opening day? Not really, but those are the two guys that are getting the consideration. It reminds me a lot, you know, we had Carpenter and Wainwright, you know. Uh, 
opening day is a, a certain message that you send. When you have two guys deserve the message, then you get that good kind of problem, right? And nobody that you want there, that's a real problem. Have one guy is good, two guys is real good. So I, I think that they both have indicated, hey, make your call, we'll pitch when we're ready to pitch. And that was, of course, the voice of Tony La Russa. Kind of sounded like someone in the background was trying to send him to the sunken place, maybe? Not sure exactly what that was back there. If somebody had like a, a wine glass or a teacup and they were just kind of, you know, just sort of rubbing the outside of it with some sort of a moisturizer. I don't, I don't know exactly what that was going on. But then you heard some, heard some birds chirping in the background. You know, always, a, always nice to hear that when there's nice weather going on outdoors. Uh, Brian, you've been listening to this sound all, all day. Do you have any guesstimate at, at what exactly that tone was? So actually, he was interviewed initially, and there was like a generator or some sort of really loud uh, a super or hum. generator, though? No, well, I had to try to extract it. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you either had to hear the, the hum of the generator or that kind of high-pitched wine glass kind of thing, mm. you know, where they're playing that that note on there. Yeah, right. I, I, maybe there's just somebody off. They're just going to have someone follow Larusa around. And like, <laughs> don't insult your pictures. Don't insult your pictures. And that's just kind of the thing they're using. Just that little tone is going to be there in a Pavlovian sort of way, just to make sure he's got. He's not going to say the wrong thing when he addresses the media about some of the more sensitive topics. And there's. I mean, in the end, like as far as who's going to be the opening day starter, there's certainly a level of prestige. You know, there's there's an honor that's associated with that. But you understand why when you've got Lance Lynn, Lucas G. Lito, those are definitely the two guys you feel best about going into this season. Would have been nice to maybe feel better about Dallas Keuchel at this point in things than you do right now. Been hoping for years. I mean, eons it feels like to to feel great about Michael Kopech, and they continue to just sort of progress him steadily slowly season after season but in the end yeah it comes down to Lynn or Giolito but in the long run though it's going to have to be about Lucas Giolito he's the younger guy he's the more versatile pitcher he's the one who can who can be effective can at times be dominant against a, a wider variety of approaches from the opposing lineup and you know whoever starts opening day but when it comes down to it the Sox when they're looking at their future that future far more likely includes Lucas Giolito for season to come than it does Lance Lynn. So do Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, do they want Lucas Giolito to end his career with the White Sox or not? We've seen them with some of the younger guys, especially the ones who had very little like Yoan Mankata or, or virtually no time at the major league level like Eloy and Luis, they've been able to get it done with them. Now, obviously, for for where Lucas Giolito is at in his career and his development, you're talking about much bigger, bolder numbers that Giolito would be asking for, should be asking for, than than what you got from those guys who were, you know, still snot-nosed teenagers. You know, when you did these extensions with them for for security and life-altering money, uh, but. Right now, the current position of the Sox, I would imagine it, it has to feel to Lucas Giolito like, you know what? As far as the if they want him to end his career on the south side or not, right now it indicates maybe they don't. You know, until they really make something happen, because for now it seems like maybe they just they don't feel like Lucas Giolito has proven that that he's 
earned, that he's worthy of that, that, that top-of-the-line long-term security money. Again, yet. Yet is the operative word there. But my reaction to it, my opinion on it, isn't nearly as important to how Lucas Giolito feels about it, what his reaction to it is. And he indicated when he was talking to the media about this today, about the, the likelihood that he, his side, his representation, is getting ready to go into arbitration with the White Sox. And he flat out said, man, this is frustrating. You going to arbitration? Is that what's happening? Or? It's looking like it. Yeah. Very frustrating. No, I saw. First of all, I love White Sox fans. I appreciate all the love last night on Twitter from those guys. But yeah, I mean, it's just very unfortunate, disheartening. Honestly, I, I just like I love this team, and you guys know how I feel about this team. And for it to come down to prior to the filing, like come down to a fifty k difference. It's like, come on, it's just, it's just the upsetting part of the process, I guess, you know, that's, that's why, you know, a lot of us don't really enjoy that business side. We want to play the game and just be able to focus on the fun stuff, but that's just part of it, I guess. So just in a, in a supposition, if, if I'm just going to presume how the White Sox are viewing this thing here, because I've. You know, at least I've had the opportunity to be involved in discussions like this, obviously for not the same types of dollars and cents, but as a coach, as an executive at the team level, as an executive at the league level, and certainly as a player as well. I've been able to operate on a few different ends of these things. And I'll say this, my my impression of where the White Sox sit right now, I don't think the White Sox, as far as how I'm presuming they evaluate Lucas Giolito, I don't think they're completely out of bounds right now, just depending on what Lucas Giolito and his representatives feel like he's worth at the moment, what they feel like his value is as of right now. If he's looking for one of one of these top of the line deals, one of these contracts like you see the best of the best pitchers in baseball getting like what's what's been happening in, in recent seasons like if he's if he's looking for like you know something akin to Max Scherzer money or so you know and I don't know that he is but if for some reason that were the case and they said nah we're we good we, we're not going there yet we're not even approaching that yet then all right I feel you now we don't know that that's what Lucas Giolito what his reps are looking for but maybe both sides are, are just playing this thing out and saying you know what this isn't this isn't what we're looking for long term, but right now, and so I, I I understand if that's what's happening in relation to an extension, the type of deal where Lucas Giolito can right now sign something that, that makes him feel like he's going to finish his career with the White Sox. If that's what you're looking for for that, then I, I, I get why that hasn't happened yet because right now you're still looking at a guy on an upward trajectory. You're still looking at a pitcher who is, you know, who's certainly a veteran at this point, an all-star, and a Cy Young candidate, year in, year out, last three years, top 11 in Cy Young voting. That being said, he has not proven himself to be amongst the most elite pitchers in baseball in his actual productivity, in his gifts, yes, and he's getting better and better. Is he the guy going out there just mowing down the opposing lineup game in and game out? Is he the guy that can take you deep into a game on a regular basis? No, he hadn't shown himself to be that guy yet. And so if both Giolito, if the White Sox, if both sides are waiting for this opportunity to prove that this coming season and then maybe that mega deal is there, that's cool. But for right now, what I don't understand 
is why the White Sox would allow for this coming season such a small amount of money to be, you know, if it feels like pittance to them and they don't understand why, why Lucas Giolito is the one to budge on it, you, you need to back up off of that, White Sox, because it's not worth that distraction for a guy in Lucas Giolito who certainly, you know, he's spent time, you know, working on the, the, the mentality that he takes them out with. Hasn't always shown himself to be the most rugged guy and working through adversity at all times, on the field and off. Some of those concerns have been there at different points throughout Lucas Giolito's career. So if you're the White Sox, why even have this be something that potentially hangs over his head heading into the season over what Lucas Giolito just told us was 50 grand before both sides filed? Like if they got within $50,000 of each other and the White Sox weren't willing to close the deal at that point, you're just you're playing with fire with potentially being an overstatement. You're certainly playing with some sort of burn. You're playing with at least a sunburn, if nothing else. You know, so it, it just it doesn't feel worth it for this season through that lens of going to arbitration with Giolito. And, you know, teams do it every year. Players do it every year. In the end, in the long run, it shouldn't end up mattering. But Lucas Giolito did talk to the media today about whether or not this, this arbitration. And with this, we can play him back-to-back here, Brian, where he, he talked a little bit today about whether or not having this looming, having this hanging over his head, whether or not there should be concerns with it sort of affecting his actual performance. If it does have here, it might be during the regular season. How do you kind of try to balance that, just you know, focusing on the day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, at that point, like, it's it's out of your hands, and, you know, I'm able to just focus on, like, the team and, and uh, what we're trying to accomplish it has no effect on that whatsoever. Like, uh, I'm always going to play 100% for, for all the guys behind me. And, uh, you know, we're trying to do something special this year. So when it gets to that point, you just kind of you kind of let it let it do it. Kind of, you know, we have people hired for that, you know. Just want to want to get something fair done. And it's just uh, unfortunate that this is the spot we're in today. The numbers were like 200. Okay, you said 50? That was prior to the, the filing. So it's like the negotiation. Yeah. won't get into specifics. It's just that difference is like, that's where it's like a little frustrating. <laughs> a little frustrating. There, there's no doubt about that, man. I can, I can imagine what that feels like. And, and in the end, hopefully exactly what he's saying ends up being accurate, that it's not going to feel like a big deal later on, that it's something that won't end up affecting his performance. For right now, though, it just it feels like the White Sox are putting themselves in a position to have some additional distraction, the potential for discord. And who knows? Maybe it does. If you don't have a guy who, even if you don't view G. Leto as your ace for this particular season, if, you know, Tony La Russa, with good reason, feels great about Lance Lynn, and Lance is our ace, and Lucas is our, Lucas is our other ace, or whatever, you don't need the discord there. You, you don't need that potentially being something that just has Lucas Giolito feeling less than comfortable because when that happens, then there have been times where if Lucas Giolito hasn't been completely comfortable, he's not the same guy when he takes the mound. And, and you know, until he shows himself as just that bulldog that just kind of works through everything at all times, then you need to factor that in because in the end, while you can be confident that you're going to win the division and everything else, all those things, all the, the other elements that associate with that, with you being at your best, and especially if you've got a couple of other spots, whether it is second base and right field, 
if those aren't all going to be performing at, at the peak of what you would like for a, a World Series level team, then make sure for the folks you actually already have in place that they are all as comfortable as they need to be to be at the peak of their performance, at the height of their power. So, you know, hopefully White Sox, G. Lito, they'll get this behind them pretty quickly. But I do think there are a couple of things that that factor into this that, that go beyond just the present tense. I think there's some some examples we've seen from from Jerry Reinsdorf and how how he operates just on on the from a more global perspective and a, a fairly renowned Chicago athlete that I think we can draw some history from with Jerry Reinsdorf that I'm going to get to later on in the show. But for now, let me take a time out, get out of the way. Let me get into some Bears discussion. There are at least transactions that are happening. They, they're fairly or not. They're, they're overshadowed by a number of the other transactions that are happening around the National Football League. But the Bears are making moves. Let's talk to Ken, Kenneth Davis about that next here on The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. You know what? It's been it's just been exciting. Uh, I think as a player, uh, it's been cool to watch guys guys you see signed um, kind of go to teams, or you see the fits and schemes. Like you understand why certain guys are going to certain teams, but then also just being a fan uh, of the league too, and just seeing the excitement and in possible you know teams that are developing across the league. I think it's great. I mean. Uh, you know, I think it's also good for the, the media market because we've been in the news pretty much every day, so that's always exciting. The voice of one of the individuals who will be tasked with protecting Bears quarterback Justin Field, that is Lucas Patrick. Heard him here on Bears All Access not too long ago, so thanks to them, to Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller for letting us use that sound that you just heard earlier on the score. And let's go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Talking to my guy, Kenneth Davis. You hear him on the Under Center podcast. You hear him occasionally here on 670 The Score as well. You can find him on Twitter at That's Davis. KD, what's happening, man? What's going on, Big Man? How you doing? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad at all. The, uh, the Bears' off-season maneuvers, and in some cases, the lack thereof, has been uh, been kind of overshadowed by a lot of the craziness around the National Football League. I do want to get your thoughts on on some of the stuff that the other teams are doing around the NFL while we're chatting here. But initially, just kind of big picture-wise, what do you think about the approach that, that Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, the Chicago Bears in, in general, what do you think about this, what seemingly is sort of a patient approach they're taking to the offseason? It's measured, you know, and it, the funny thing is this, Ed, like anytime and being a Bears fan and there's a, a new regime, the only good thing you get is hope. But being in this mix for so many times and for so long, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. So even with a new regime and you hope things go well, you still don't know. So for me, looking at what Poles and Cunningham are doing, it's measured. I, I like it. I lean towards liking it because I don't want anybody to make any silly financial mistakes that would be used for an excuse down the road as to why you can't do something down the road when at this point they're not just a player or two away from contending, even though the NFC is, is the lesser conference right now. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. It's measured the, the Larry Oak and Joby situation. 
I, I really liked that pickup. It was kind of unfortunate that, especially for him financially, that he couldn't get that because he deserves that finally getting that big bite at the apple and putting in the work. Um, and it, that that was one. And I, I'm not dissing Ryan Pose. I, I didn't dislike what Ryan Pose did, but it was it was somewhat disappointing to go from someone who had a little bit more upside, in my opinion with Larry Okunjobi, and I'm not trying to diss Justin Jones, but just when you're talking about pressuring the passer and not just getting to the run, that, that Okunjobi at the three technique was something you was like, man, I feel that. I like the way they're doing it. Bringing in Eber Flus, you feel like the defense will be more detail-oriented and that they'll that just him being there, perhaps it'll be an uptick. But as far as the moves getting to your question, I feel it has been measured, and I don't think that's a negative thing. I think you need to get the lay of the land. You need to figure out where you are as an organization right now when it comes to contending and how far, many, how many steps you have to take to get there. Just coming in here and and signing a Teron Armstead, who his window may not necessarily link up with a Justin Fields window. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have been upset, though. I, I will say that <laughs> if, they, if they went up because, I mean, one, protection, you know, something yeah. like that. That was a, a big swing, I will say, to a degree that I would have been fine with because it, it's not sexy, but you know from being a professional player, you win in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? So out of everything, if they were going to do something that was kind of draw-dropping, I would have been, been fine. I would have been happy to break in Armstead. But to a degree, looking at his window and, and Fields' window, it may not match up when you think this team maybe two to three seasons now can be contending down the road. Now, I was wondering, as, as Ryan Poles was hired, Matt Eberflus was hired, and, and we started to hear from them initially, and they both seemed you know, somewhat measured just even in, even in their words to the point you're making. And so now we're seeing transactions take place, and the, the aggression has really been more on what they've been willing to to push out the door more so than what they've mm. been bringing back so far. And so you got guys like, like Khalil Mack and, and Tariq Cohen and Danny Trevath and guys who've meant a lot. And certainly Allen Robinson, who you know was a free agent, but guys who've meant a lot to this organization over the last, you know, let, let's call it last few seasons, three to five years, whatever, you know, they're not here anymore. And they made a lot of plays for the bears in the time that they were actually on the field. Has that approach that the aggression with, with not only trimming some salary, but but very sort of seminal figures in the Matt Nagy era, did that surprise you at all that we've seen them be seen Ryan Poles be fairly aggressive in in moving some of them out? No, I mean to, to be honest, and by no means am I saying that I don't appreciate the the amount of sweat equity, the injuries, and everything that the past Bears players for the last four to five seasons are putting in as a Bears fan, or just as a human being, when you know, I mean, I play sports and you played at the highest level. When you think about the sacrifices, not just to your body, but to time and being away from your family that these men have to do, you got to give them props. But I, yeah, I want to see them turn the page. Uh, unfortunately, it did not work out. And uh, again, looking at, I guess, how much tread is still left on the tire for some of those players, outside of Allen Robinson, but if like Khalil Mack, for instance, you have to love Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack hasn't been 100% since basically his second season with here with the Bears, right? And last year was really the first time where he shut himself. They, him and the team, you know, decided to shut it down, right? The year before, clearly he was hurt, and he still put his body out there. I, I, props to him. But you get 
you kind of get tired of being on that carousel, especially with the player that's so impactful. Will he be out there? Will he not be out there? Will will he be somewhat debilitated from his injuries? So to to turn the page from something that unfortunately did not work out. And now to set it up to where, no, this isn't something that's in between where, you know, we're trying to clearly like win now and down the road. They're, this is a down the road move that the Bears are doing now. It's like, it, I don't think they want to rip it down to the, the Bear studs and get maybe two victories next season. But I'm sure perhaps if they have the same amount of wins as this year, if not a win or two more, they may look at that depending on how well the team performs in that as being a plus. So I, I didn't. I, don't, I like the fact that they're letting go of the past because you have to. If you if you really know what you're trying to do, if you run it, in my opinion, set this up solidly, you had to let go of some of those guys and take the hits as far as like the dead cap hit from Mac this year because you made as well have cashed in that asset. Unfortunately, you couldn't get as much. If he was healthy, you would have clearly got a first, if not something more than that. But you, you kind of had to turn the page in. That's kind of how I felt. Kenneth Davis, the Undercenter Podcast, with me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Hotline, you can find him on Twitter, at That's Davis. You can also watch him both on television, online, on NBC Sports Chicago, and a variety of their platforms. And uh, as we move forward here, do you anticipate, because they do have a little bit more draft capital right now, still no first-round picks, but multiple second-round picks and beyond, where do you anticipate being the, the positions of focus? Because you do have a couple of young offensive tackles from last year's draft cycle that it wouldn't have hurt to, to bring in someone who could either start ahead of them or, or provide some added depth, and we'll see what the rest of the offseason brings here. But as we are now about a month out from the NFL draft and getting a sense for where Ryan Poles is at least beginning to focus with some, uh, I'll call them second tier wide receiver signings in free agency and bringing in a couple of offensive linemen, but really only one of them in Lucas Patrick's probably expected to start with any certainty. So where do you think going into the draft will be the positions of focus? I think receiver definitely is a position of focus. Just looking at the fact of, you know, you got Pringle, you got St. Brown. Of course we have Darnell Mooney here. I would think it may not be the first pick, but between the second second round pick and perhaps the third round pick to look for them to grab a receiver. But like kind of what you were saying, I mean, I'm interested in, in with Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles being offensive linemen. I'm interested in their eye to catch O-line talent, you know? Yeah. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they saw that guy perhaps in the second round that they think could be perhaps one of the tackles in the future. They don't think, for instance, Borm and Jenkins are the tackles or tackle, and one of them perhaps will be moved to guard or put as a swing tackle. I would probably say that, and and, and corner, they they have Mm. to. And I don't even, to be honest with you, even if they go out and you bring in Xavier Rose, not saying he's a world beat, he's not the guy that was in with the Vikings years in the past, but I'm just saying that because he was with Iberflus in Indianapolis. You still have to put some equity at corner, one on the outside, but playing this cover two at, at the slot, as you you definitely would know. You know what I'm saying? Like you, You're going to have to improve your cornerback situation here. So those, those are really the three I would look at. I would have said DT. But they got brought in Justin Jones, so I don't know how I don't know how high 
as far as the equity they would use with the few the six picks that they have, they would look at defensive line. And I don't even want to say DT, perhaps even a, 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 a pass rushing end, mm-hmm. um, just like a one-trick pony like Mark Anderson was back in the day when when he was a, a young rookie. That's kind of where I would I would think, or perhaps I'm really saying what I would want and <laughs> for the Bears to do when it comes to their draft picks. Yeah, it's an interesting little needle that that they're in a position trying to thread right now. Because I, I don't think – I don't have the impression they want to be awful. You know, I don't think they're looking to have the number yeah. one overall pick in the draft. They did go out and try to spend on a playmaking three technique. So where where do you think the, the needle is being thread? Do you agree with that assessment that they're not trying to be awful? That totally. They're just kind of taking – yeah. I, I don't think – again, like I said, I don't think they're ripping this down to the studs. I don't think this is what – it's a different sport, of course, and it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. I don't think this is what the Cubs and the Sox did. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think because, one, you have to take advantage, and it may be the latter end of it, of Justin Fields' rookie contract if he becomes the quarterback you hope that he will become. So we're saying, really we're saying, check back after next year's draft and free agency for when we're really starting to say, okay, what are they trying to do? Now, I'm not saying next year they should be contending, but I'm saying next after next season, after this upcoming season, but after the offseason, you can start holding these guys a tad bit more accountable. I'm totally with you. I don't think – because if they were ripping into the studs, you may as well trade Robert Quinn. Right. Like, if you were – if you're – that to me – and um, Alex Brown was on with us a couple weeks ago, and he was basically saying with, with the Khalil Matray, and again, you would definitely notice being the end, that they were sitting there, they they needed basically four three ends. Where one of those guys has to be a run grade cat. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't have two pa- you know two guys that are primary pass rushers. Someone has to take on that responsibility, similar to to Adewale and to Alex Brown in that situation. So you're keeping Robert Quinn because you hope, and you're bringing it because what'll be the point of si- signing? Even though you're getting him, he's young and he's on a, a nice contract. Larry Oak and Joby, if you weren't really trying to do something or start a culture, I guess that's kind of the point. I believe they're trying to start a culture, and you don't want to start a culture that's predicated on losing. Not to say you won't go through rough times, but I think they're trying to start a culture. So I'm with you totally. I don't think they want the number one pick in next year's draft at all. Yeah, so we'll see how they end up threading that needle. I know you'll cover it as well as anybody in this town, man. Really appreciate you joining me tonight. Let's do it again. Definitely, man. Anytime you need me, just hit me up, man. All right, I will do that. That is Kenneth Davis, the Under Center podcast and of NBC Sports Chicago. You can find him on Twitter at That's Davis. We'll come back. I do want to I want to expand the discussion too, a bit of those the other storylines from around the NFL in recent days here. And in a few minutes we'll transition to some Bulls discussion as well. But I, I gave my thoughts on Lucas G. Lito and the White Sox. You heard from G. Lito himself, but you can feel free to give me a call at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. How do you feel about the the approach the Bears are taking? I know reaction I've seen on social media has been fairly mixed. A lot of folks just saying, you know what, Ryan Poles is trying to reshape this team in some ways in his image and Matt Eberflus's image. Some folks saying he's trying to repair what they they felt like the, the mess was that Ryan Pace left behind. A lot of other folks saying, hey, man, I'm seeing big names, big moves, big money out there going from team to team, and the Bears are not in that game right now. Why not? What do you think? 312 644 Six seven six seven. Hit me up. Let me know what you're thinking. I'm Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio. Six seventy. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.